Alright, so we're in the book of 1 Peter in chapter 4, and one of the themes that you'll notice in the book of 1 Peter is suffering is talked about a lot. It's just kind of a, a theme in the book. And here in verse 12, he says, Beloved, think it not strange concerning the fiery trial which is to try you as though some strange thing happened unto you. Now, some he, I think there was probably some Christians back then that are like today that thought, I thought when I got saved, it meant I was just going to be like running through a field of sunflowers and, you know, twirling in the sun and singing the sound of music and stuff. But no, uh, that's not in the Bible. Uh, in fact, Jesus, he suffered on earth. He went through a lot and he warned his disciples that, hey, there's, there's going to be tough times that you're going to have to endure. And so when, when trials come, he's like, don't act like something strange or something foreign or something out of the ordinary is going on and he says but rejoice inasmuch as ye are partakers of christ's sufferings that when his glory shall be revealed ye may be glad also with exceeding joy if ye be reproached for the name of christ happy are ye for the spirit of glory and of god resteth upon you on their part he is evil spoken of but on your part he is glorified and this is one of these examples of a command that's really hard to follow sometimes you know, none of us feel like rejoicing when we're suffering. But the thing is, if we understood the rewards that were going to come, if we were thinking about the, the, the eternal rewards, you know what? We would rejoice. If, we believe, if, if you really believe that and if we would really think about that, we would do like Jesus said to do where he literally said to leap for joy. That's what we... I, I think if whenever, we are, whenever you're approached... Okay? I mean, you know, when it comes to uh, when you when you go soloing and you have that person that gives you a bad attitude and that gives you grief and, and, and persecutes you, it, when that happens to me, I get aggravated a lot of times and I just feel like, you know, going home. But, you know, I think if like right then, if all of a sudden we could see the reward we were going to get for that, I think we would leap for joy. But the truth is we can't see it. But, you know, what we can do. We can claim the scripture and we can think about these things and you know, that would be kind of funny when you stop and think about it if next time you get chewed out out soul winning you just start literally leaving for joy right in front of us like thank you <laughs> you know it's like i i believe we get rewards if we're getting people saved too but you know the bible didn't tell us to leap for joy in that situation he says there's joy in the presence of angels and all that but he did in these other situations and so just i don't know i might try that sometime and if anything, it might make the other person more mad. <laughs> but, but either way, either, you know, either way I, I do. I literally believe if all of a sudden we could see what we were going to get, we would. We probably would start jumping up and down. And so, um, but it takes faith, and sometimes it's hard. And, but you know, that kind of suffering, if you're going to go through that kind of suffering, uh, that's what we would call a trial of faith, and that is a good thing. That is a good thing. That when eternity comes, you're going to be glad you went through it. But you know, there is still, we as Christians are capable of suffering in bad ways. You know, where it's not necessarily a trial of faith, but punishment for sins. And so he says in verse 15, and this is after too at the beginning, he's talking about, you know, ceasing from sin. He's talking about no longer living in lasciviousness like he used to live in. He's, tell, he's told him, you need to go on a new path and a new way of life and you need to start living for the Lord and forsaking those things of the past. But even if you're saved, we're capable of getting ourselves in the flesh and getting ourselves in trouble. And if we do, we're going to suffer. And there's no reward for that suffering. So he goes on to say, but let none of you suffer as a murderer or as a thief 
or as an evildoer, or as a busybody in other men's matters. Yet if any man suffer as a Christian, let him not be ashamed, but let him glorify God on this behalf. For the time has come that judgment must be at the house of God, and if it first begin at us, what shall the end be of them that obey not the gospel of God? And if the righteous scarcely be saved, where shall the ungodly and sinner appear? Wherefore, let him that suffer according to the will of God commit the keeping of their souls to him in well-doing as unto faithful creator. And so, uh, there's two, really there's two ways to suffer. You can suffer as trial of faith, or you can suffer as punishment for sin. And if I'm going to suffer, I prefer suffering that results in rewards rather than punishment. That's what I would prefer. But um, when it comes to this subject and what I want to preach about today is trial of faith or punishment for sin. Because a lot of times when we are suffering, sometimes people who are suffering for their sins act like they're going through a trial of faith. Well, then sometimes too you have people that are going through a trial of faith and then they're like, did I do something wrong? Did I commit some kind of sin? And I think it's important that we kind of understand the difference in these two things. And so this is actually a message I'm re-preaching. It was about eight years ago I preached that. I feel like an evangelist when I re-preach a message. But uh, I was, I've been thinking about this subject and I, was, I went looking back at some of the notes from when I preached on it before. And I'm, and I'm like, you know, I, I like this outline. It's been long enough. I'm preaching it again. So I, I'm doing a re-preach message right here. But I think this is one we need to cover every once in a while. Uh, but in this passage, again, Peter, he's writing to make sure they don't get discouraged when bad things come their way because circumstances and even suffering are just part of the Christian life. And some trials, though, are because of sin. And we're often very good at misdiagnosing, you know, these things. And we do, sometimes we act like a martyr when we're being chastened of God. And then there's other times we act like we're being chastened of God when God's trying to strengthen us. And we don't want to do that. We don't want to, met, we don't want to get it wrong. So first, a couple of things I want to point out. The first thing we need to understand is that not every bad thing that happens is a result of sin. We need to get a hold of that. John chapter 9 and verse 1 says, And as Jesus passed by, he saw a man which was blind from his birth, and his disciples asked him, saying, Master, who did sin, this man or his parents, that he was born blind? Jesus answered, Neither hath this man sinned nor his parents, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. Now, is Jesus saying this guy didn't have any sin or that his parents had no sin? What he's saying here is, no, they did nothing to cause him to be blind from his birth. And are we not often like that? And folks, that, you know, and I, I get it. You can't help it when thoughts cross your mind sometimes, but we need to be very careful about judging some of these things and when something bad happens, somebody dies, some lady miscarries a baby. Well, you know what? The Bible talks about a miscarrying womb being a curse and then acting like she's cursed. You don't know that. You, you absolutely have no idea whether or not God is punishing them or God might be trying their faith right now. God might be testing them. God might be trying to strengthen them. We don't know what God's will is and the disciples... They had a, they they had wrong judgment here, and they did they see a man born blind from his birth, and they thought, man, he must have done something, which is kind of foolish too, because if it was blind from his birth, what could he have done when he was born? That was so bad that made him go blind. So that was kind of dumb. So that's why too. Well, it must have been the parents. You know, and is that what they thought every time they saw somebody who was lame, crippled, some kind of disability? They must have done something wrong. 
And that, it, that's a sorry attitude. But when Jesus said, neither of them sinned, he's not saying that they were without sin and they had never committed any sins. But he was saying there was nothing that they did that caused this to happen. It just happened. Did you know sometimes things just happen? We live in a sin-cursed earth. And as a result of living in a sin-cursed earth, bad things happen. There are sometimes just you know, genetic mutations. There's birth defects. There's sicknesses that are out there that innocent people get. And when that happens, we are not supposed to sit around trying to figure out what somebody did wrong that caused them to happen. And, 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 you know, and we don't want to admit this either, but when we do that, you know, you judge some lady that has an unhealthy baby. It's like, well, my wife had a healthy baby. We must be doing something right. Boy, watch out judging like that. That is a horrible way to judge. Are you a prophet of God? Are you getting direct revelation from God? Did he, did he tell you from his mouth, did he give you a revelation that this person who's going through a trial right now, exactly what it's for? You better watch out for that kind of thing. And Christians, we can, we're the best at this sometimes. And it's, we got to be careful. And so in verse 3, Jesus said, but that the works of God should be made manifest in him. So in other words, God did this because God wanted to manifest something to people. God wanted to do something. He wanted to show something through this man's life. And so he allowed him to go through this trial. So in verse 5, it says, As long as I am in the world, I am the light of the world. When he had thus spoken, he spat on the ground and made clay of the spittle. And he anointed the eyes of the blind man with the clay. And he said unto him, Go and wash in the pool of Siloam, which is by interpretation sent. He went his way, therefore, and washed and came seeing. And I can't help but talk about the fact I did go to the pool of Siloam when I was in Israel. That, you know, very likely is, in fact, the Pool of Siloam. It's probably one of the more legitimate uh, locations because it's a pool of water that comes directly from Hezekiah's tunnel that the Bible specifically mentions. And it was neat thinking about, you know, a blind man going there one time to wash his eyes out like Jesus said to do and he, how he did this great miracle. And understand, we've talked about this before and I'll say it again and I'll say it again in the future. The miracles Jesus would do, it wasn't just to fix a physical ailment. It was to prove he could do something spiritually. And whenever he would heal the blind, you know, it was showing how he could give sight to the blind how, so we could see the truth of the gospel, so we could see the truth of our sin. And Jesus did that great work there and he showed his power. He proved who he was. He did a great miracle. He did a great blessing. And so understand, while it was a bad thing, you know, having a child born blind, that would be a tragic thing. But understand, nobody sinned that caused it to happen. In Luke chapter 13, in verse 1, it says, There were present at that season some that told him of the Galileans whose blood Pilate um, uh, had mingled. And I, I don't have all the verse there in front of me. But Jesus answering said unto them, Suppose ye that these Galileans were sinners above all the Galileans, because they suffered such things. I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. He said, I'll, I'll bet those people you're telling me about, that, and obviously they didn't say this, but Jesus knew their thoughts. You think that because this bad thing happened to them, that they were probably worse sinners than everyone else. But Jesus said, except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. You're all dead. You're all going to perish if you don't repent. He said, or of those 18 upon whom the tower in Siloam fell and slew them. 
Think ye that they were sinners of all, all men that were in Jerusalem? I tell you nay, but except ye repent, you shall all likewise perish. Well, that was a tragic accident. Well, I don't think it was a tragic accident. I think it was a judgment of God. You know, if you knew those people like I did, you would understand God was killing them. God was punishing them. But folks, we got to watch out for that. Because you know what? Again, good people die in car wrecks sometimes. But if we don't like them, how do we get? Well, that was God judging them because, you know, they flipped me off uh, you know, at the intersection. Or they, they did something to me. And we'll just go declaring all this judgment on them. But just understand, sometimes bad things happen. We live in an imperfect world. You know, not everyone that has cancer, all right, just doesn't have cancer because they didn't eat right, because they used a microwave or whatever your dietary restrictions are. Okay, you know, everybody's got opinions on cancer. Everybody watched a YouTube video. Everybody's read a book. Everybody knows the cure for cancer until they get it and then they die of it like everybody else. Listen, you know what I've learned about that stuff is, you know, we, we don't really know much. I think it's genetics in my opinion, but I, I don't know. I, don't, I have no idea. All I know is worrying is very unhealthy, and I don't want to worry about those things. And so, I, you know, I'm, I don't believe we ought to be reckless and all that. But, boy, I hate it when physical things happen to people, and then Christians, instead of coming along for comfort, they just start telling you everything you did wrong. And like, listen, even if the guy's heart's going out, maybe it was because he ate too much biscuits and gravy. Maybe it was because he, you know, drank too many Red Bulls or something like that. But, you know, go ahead and just be loving and comforting. Because just remember, Lester Roloff, who was one of the biggest, you know, food Nazis in the world, died in a plane crash. All right, you know, and so you know what? All that preaching about food didn't give him a longer life. So just, you know, keep that in mind. And, you know, some of you, you are, you're going you're gonna to eat healthier to do all these things so you can get an extra three or four years, and you're going to die in a car wreck. You know, it's just like, at the end of the day, I'm all for doing that stuff if you want to do it, but let's stop picking on everybody, all right? Let's not, you know, if somebody eats, I don't know, you know, something unhealthy during fellowship, they don't look at them funny and talk about all the things that are going to happen to them one of these days. Let them enjoy their food, all right? We don't need to be that way. You know, not, not everybody whose car breaks down is backslidden. How many of you ever had that before? You know, you ha- you're, you're having vehicle problems, you know, your washer and dryer goes out, you know, and that's when you start, you know, did I pay my tithe last week? You know, did I, you know, you're, 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 you start wondering. And listen, it's not wrong when things start happening. And I've, I've talked about this before. When you start having things happening, there's nothing wrong with seeking God's face and saying, hey, Lord, are, are you trying to get my attention? That we should always be seeking God's face. And whenever things start happening, by all means, check. In fact, when things are going good, seek God's face. We should always be checking. We should always be asking. You know, but, it, but at the same time, just, it's not a guarantee that when things are going bad, it's because you're in some kind of sin. And we've got to be very careful about the judgments that we make in these situations. Sometimes God allows trials in our life to teach us things and to give us an opportunity to glorify Him. James chapter 1 and verse 12 says, Blessed is the man that endureth temptation. For when he is tried, he shall receive the crown of life which the Lord hath promised to them that love Him. And when you start going through trials, that's when temptations comes. That's when you start thinking about quitting. That's when that's the time you start to think about maybe changing things and, and, you know, and getting out of church or whatever. Folks, whenever those times come, just understand that's when we need to stay faithful. You might just be being tempted. 
and it might be a test. It says in verse 13, Let no man say when he is tempted, I am tempted of God. For God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived, it bringeth forth sin. And sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. And it's important that we get a hold of this because in Genesis 22, verse 1, it says, And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here am I. So what's this talking about? Here in, in James it says God doesn't tempt anybody, but in Genesis we see God tempting Abraham. Understand this. God never tempts with sin. God never dangles sin in front of us trying to get us to sin. God does not do that. Now, God might tempt us or test us when it comes to trials, okay? when it comes to difficulties. God might allow us to get some kind of bad you know, health diagnosis. God might allow us to face some kind of financial difficulty or some, uh, whatever challenge. You know, he might allow us to suffer some kind of tragedy in our life. There's no telling what God might choose to do to try to strengthen you, to try to use you, to glorify himself. But understand, when you find yourself in that tempting situation, even if it's God tempting you, part of your temptation might end up being to sin. That is not God. Okay, when you get tempted to sin, that's you being drawn away of your own lust and enticed. So again, if you know God might allow me to go through a trial, but if I turn to drugs, if I turn to alcohol, you know what? That's you know, it's not because God tempted me to drink. Okay, no, I had a desire to do that, and I used this difficult situation as an excuse to fulfill the lust of my flesh. So that God didn't dangle that alcohol in front of me. God didn't dangle those drugs in front of me. But God did allow me to go through a difficult situation. But understand too, God also makes a way of escape. God makes or God gives us the strength to get through those things. So it's important that we understand, you know, the difference in those. God does not tempt with sin. If you sin, it's because you were drawn away of your own lust and enticed. But every one of us will find ourselves in tempting situations sometimes, God and God may allow those trials to teach us things, to give us an opportunity to glorify Him. You say, why would God cause me, you know, allow me to suffer this way? Well, God also knows what's coming in the future. God might be preparing you for something even bigger. And who knows? Here's the thing. God knows for sure. And it's our job just to trust Him through it all. And, we, and you know, you'll, you'll probably never go through anything worse than Joseph went through. But look at the years, the years that Joseph suffered. But understand that those years of suffering, not only did it save his own life, it saved the life of his entire family. And he had a pretty good thing going for himself when he was second in command in Egypt. God ended up blessing him in a great way, didn't he? And I promise you, if you had talked to Joseph at the end of his life, he thanked God for those difficult years that he went through. Because again, God knew what was going on. And God meant all those things for good. And God will do the same thing with you. So God will test us at times so we can grow, so he can bless us even more. But God will never try to entice us with sin. James 5.10 says, Take my brethren, the prophets, who have spoken in the name of the Lord for an example of suffering, affliction, and of patience. The, the prophets of the Lord. What are they known for? Suffering, affliction. People think the better Christian I am, the less I'll suffer. 
Well, the less you'll suffer because of sin. But nobody said you weren't going to suffer. Nobody said you weren't going to go through any hard times. But notice it says, too, though, Behold, we count them happy which endure. Ye have heard of the patience of Job, and have seen the end of the Lord, that the Lord is very pitiful and of tender mercy. And you want to know a lot of people today, a lot of the trouble that they get themselves into is because they're trying to avoid the good suffering. And then they end up giving themselves pleasure, which leads to worse suffering, suffering that does not bring joy, suffering that does not bring rewards. And so, folks, understand, if we can go through these tough times that the Bible talks about, we will end up being happy because of it. We're going to suffer, but that suffering will result in happiness. It will result in rewards. If we try to avoid these things, if you're like, no, I refuse to suffer, then guess what? You're still going to suffer, and you're going to get no rewards, and you're going to get no joy. Well, I want those riches because I don't want to suffer financially. Well, you know what? The Bible talks about, uh, you know, the, uh, you know, it, and there's examples in the Bible of people who had riches, but they had no peace. They had no joy. They ended up in places like hell. And the Bible talks about, too, how, you know, uh, the blessing of the Lord maketh rich, and he addeth no sorrow with it. So understand, what's the point of riches if you're still sad, if you're still sorrowful, if you're still suicidal? And a lot of people with riches still are miserable. So, wouldn't you? I'd rather be poor and happy than rich and miserable. Now, I'd rather be rich and happy, but at the same time, you know, at the same time, I'm not going to sacrifice righteousness trying to get those riches because you're not going to get the rich and happiness while sacrificing righteousness. So, you might as well just, you know, take the chance of continuing to be poor but being happy. So. Uh, and, and, and oh, maybe, maybe God gave some good people in the Bible riches too. He might, I'm not saying everybody that's rich isn't right with God. Uh, I, I wish financial standing proved your righteousness, you know, and that poor meant you know better. But I, I can't I can't prove that from the Bible. So uh, you know, you know, either way, we just need to trust God. I, but I will say that you know, I do think it'd be it's hard to find people who enjoy life as much as I do and are as happy as I am, you know, if, based on income. You know, I, I think the Lord has, with, he has made me very happy with what he has given me. I do at least enjoy what I have. I enjoy it, I enjoy it a lot. And there's a lot of other things that I'm pretty sure I would enjoy too. You know, I'm pretty sure I would enjoy, you know, the big fancy boat. You know, I'm pretty sure I would enjoy a yacht or something like that. But you know what? I'm happy without it too. And a lot, there's a lot of people who have those things, still not happy. So, you know, we just need to trust God. So, how do we know if what we are facing, okay? Because chances are everybody's going through some kind of trial, some kind of testing. Uh, you know, you know, we're always going through something, all right? Has anybody just had a life on easy street and you've never had any problems in here before? Um, you know, I, I doubt it, okay? We're all going through something. But how can we know if we're, what we're facing is testing, from God, the result in rewards or punishment. Okay? And, and so, first, the first thing we need to understand about this is you can only know for yourself and not somebody else. And I've, I've been saying it again. We've got to be very careful about judging. And again, while not all judging is sin, while we are supposed to judge some things, 
judging other people's circumstances and deciding whether it's the judgment of God or the blessing of God, whatever, that is the kind of judging you got to watch out for that we see in Matthew chapter 7. The judge not, the be not judged for with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it should be measured to you again. So the thing is, if I go and I see somebody leave the church and their car break down, and, my, and I'm like, they must not have paid their tithe. Well, you know what? I better pay my tithe. Because God's going to see the way I'm judging people in that situation. And as soon as I mess up, he's coming after me like that. Now, they might have paid, first off, they might have paid their tithe. And they might not have paid their tithe. It doesn't even matter. The, the thing is, I can't, you know, God has not given me some revelation to know why they're going through that thing that they're going through. Whatever somebody's suffering, they lose a loved one. Boy, watch out, boy, really watch out in a situation like that. It's because they got away from God. It's because they, you know, some preacher goes through some kind of trial, loses wife, that's because he compromised. Oh, man. Better not compromise. You know, so you're saying you believe God takes the wives of preachers who compromise. And, that, and you're, you're pronouncing that judgment on people. And especially when you're, again, we can't help it. Thoughts cross our minds. Okay? Thoughts cross our minds. But when you are publicly declaring these things, when you're publicly proclaiming that kind of stuff, you better watch out for that kind of thing. Because that, with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And so we, we need to understand that if God is dealing with me personally, why does he need to give you special revelation for what I'm going through? And if, God is go, and if you're going through something personally, and it's between you and God, why does anybody else in the church, why would he give them special revelation for why you're going through that situation? But aren't we all prepared to let everybody know why they're suffering? That's kind of how we are, isn't it? And let me tell you, boy, do we reveal our hearts when we do that. And it's a dangerous, it's a dangerous thing. And so we can really only know for ourselves and not somebody else. And so often we do, we're, it's like we're trying to play God so we can use the situation too to make it look like we're in the right and someone else is in the wrong. And yet we said, we'll even use the preachers sometimes. The preachers are the worst. You know, we'll even take the Bible and make it look like we're a prophet of God speaking for God. Again, did, did God give you revelation as to why they went through that thing? Oh, well, look here in the Bible, you know, when the, you know, this prophet, he said exactly why this was happening. Yeah, because he got direct revelation from God as a prophet of God. You know, when it comes to situations we're going through now, I don't think we need necessarily that. And God, I don't believe God has given us all that kind of thing. I'm not saying God might not show us. God might not give us some kind of, you know, hope from the Holy Spirit. He very well may do that. But again, you know, are, are, are you using this situation to capitalize? Are you using this situation to advance your agenda? If I'm having some kind of doctrinal dispute with somebody, I'm, I'm having some kind of doctrinal dispute with a Calvinist, you know, and then that Calvinist calls me a heretic, and, you know, and then, you know, his grandma dies the next day. Well, I guess we know who's right. You know, that, he, that Calvinist called me a heretic and the Lord took his grandma the next day. You better watch out speaking against the man of God. Am I not trying to capitalize in that situation? Listen, his grandma might have just died because she was 102 years old. Okay? It, it's not necessarily God judging him for what he said to me. Because you know what? Grandmas die all the time. 
all of my grandparents are in heaven. You know, all, all, all of them. You know, you know why? You know, they, all, they were all old. You know, it, it's going to happen. It's going to happen to all of us. And, and imagine taking something like that and trying to use it to your benefit. That's a, that's a very dangerous game that we probably don't want to be playing. And this is an example of what we often do when we're judging other people's situations. But, you know, and that's a dangerous thing. But you know what? Sometimes, too, we can mess up even when we're trying to judge our own situation. If we're trying to figure out, am I being tempted? Is this a trial of faith or is this punishment for sins? So, for example, too, something that we often do whenever we're going through something in our life. Okay, if all of a sudden, like, let's just say this week turns into a country song for me, you know, where everything bad happens. You know, my truck breaks down, my wife leaves me, all that kind of stuff. All right, it's just right out of a country music song. A lot of times what we do in those situations is we'll ask other people, do you think God's punishing me? Have you ever done that to somebody or had somebody do that to you? Do you think God's punishing me right now? Now, I'm not trying to be mean, but, you know, first off, God is punishing you. Why don't you ask God if he's punishing you? Why do we ask other people if God is punishing us? And, and you know what? This is our way too of, you know, it is, we, we play tricks on ourselves. And so the thing is, you know, if somebody comes to you like, is God punishing me right now? And then I'm like, yes. Okay. All right. You know, then, and this is what we're doing. Chances are, that's when you're going to chew me out. You know, how dare you think that way? I don't deserve this. I'm a good Christian. I de- and the thing is, okay, okay, fine. You're a good Christian. You don't deserve this. I'm not the one that brought the punishment on you. It's our way of like yelling at God. But we know we can't yell at God. So let's yell at the person that maybe is a, that we think agrees with God in, in that situation. Or the other thing too you know, we're just looking for getting some people to help us team up against God because maybe God has told you, yeah, I am coming down on you because you are in rebellion right now. And so then we do, you know, because most people too, oh no, you know, of course God's not judging you. God would never judge you or punish you for anything. You're, you're a good, wonderful Christian. We're looking for somebody to soothe our conscience. So do you see how we can just kind of play tricks on ourselves? And isn't it interesting too, because you know, the, what does the Bible say? It says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it so you want to know one of the reasons we often struggle with figuring out if it's a trial of faith or punishment of sin because we have a deceptive heart so it's it's not an easy thing sometimes because if our heart's not right we are we're going to be confused in these situations and so the key is to understanding these things it's not about you know let's look at the facts no you got to have your heart right in these situations, if you're going to truly know it. And you have to have your heart right. It's not about necessarily going to other people. Because again, if you come to me and you're like, Pastor Tommy, I'm going through all these problems in my life. My life's just not getting better. Am I being punished? Well, I'm just going to tell you all the things that I personally don't like about you and I want you to fix. You know, what, you know, what, what things do you think I need to change so God will start being better to me? I, I'm just going to tell you, you know, yeah, just... This is what would make you a more, you know, pleasing person to me. But I'm not the one that you're trying to please. God's the one you're trying to please. And I'm not saying that other people can't ever give you some kind of insight into your life and, you know, help you out. If you have a good friend that can, 
you know, tell you the truth and you can take it from them. I'm not saying you can't do that kind of thing, but let's just admit we can deceive ourselves in this area. So it's something we've got to be very careful about. And so what, so when we try to figure out someone else's situation, we often get it wrong just because we're not like God. And, and that's, again, what I hate about Christian movies that are based on fiction. The way God always moves in that situation is the way we think God would move in a situation. Well, that guy finally gave his life over to Christ, so of course his business is going to boom. Of course his family is going to straighten out. Of course everything's going to be magical and wonderful, and he's going to run through the field of flowers, you know, sing, you know singing the hills are alive with the sound of music, right? That's what, that's what we think, and that's the way it always turns out in every Christian movie. But Romans 11.33 says, Oh, the depth and riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. Beware of the man or the woman that comes along and says, I know God's judgment. I know exactly why God's doing what he's doing right now. Not only do I know exactly what God's doing right now, I know what he's going to do next. Because I'm just that in tune with God. You know, the Bible says that it's unsearchable. His ways are past finding out. And you know what? I'm just going to tell you right now, most of the time, I can't figure out what God's doing. I really can't. I don't understand it. And we can't pretend to understand it. Here's what we can do. We can just understand whatever trial I'm going through right now. And whenever you're going through a trial, whether it be the fact that you lost a loved one, whether it be a situation that's completely beyond your control, when you're going through that trial, somewhere is going to be a temptation to sin. Somewhere there's going to be a temptation to sin. Maybe it's that you get out of church. Maybe it's that you, who knows what it is. When it comes to the sin, that is not God's will. God's not tempting you with that. That's Satan using the situation to try to get you to sin. Or that's even, maybe not even Satan. This is your flesh. You know, this is, this is your excuse that your flesh needs that your conscience needs to go into whatever the sin is. But understand, that is not of God. So whatever it is you're going through, just don't sin. Whatever it is, don't sin. If you're being punished, don't sin. If you're being tested, don't sin. If you're suffering because of sin, you know what? Get right. Just don't sin anymore. That's the thing. That, and that's what Peter was talking about. First Peter 4, when he's talking about ceasing from sin. For, uh, Isaiah 55, 8 says... Uh, for my thoughts are not your thoughts, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways and my thoughts than your thoughts. And so again, understand, a, a pastor today is not like a prophet of old who had divine revelation from God about a situation. Often God would give them divine revelation and God would tell the prophets, go tell this city because of this sin, I'm bringing this judgment on them. God would often do that. But understand, too, when we see today, if I see a city suffer, I can't tell you exactly why that happened. If Chicago, you know, burns down again, you know, I've got my opinions on why God would destroy that city. But do I have any direct revelation from God? If San Francisco falls into the bay, I've got my theories on why. And, you know, and, and all my theories, they all fit with my agenda as a Christian, as a believer. They all fit with my political agenda. You know, if J.B. Prisker chokes on a chicken bone today, this afternoon, you know, I, 
I'll, I'll tell you exactly why I think he choked on that chicken bone. All right, it, it, you know, and, and it all is to advance my political agenda. But at the end of the day, I didn't get any revelation from God. I, I'm just I'm giving you my opinion. And it, it, isn't it amazing how anytime something bad happens, anytime there's a hurricane Katrina, you got Pat Robertson out there, you know, judgment of God because this, 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 and this. It, it, it may be. Do you really know? Folks, we don't really know. Sometimes bad things happen in places where we expect it. Sometimes it happens where we wouldn't expect it. If you really had any direct revelation from God, you know, you would have told us it was coming ahead of time. You know, and, and you think New Orleans would have repented of anything either if I'd have said that. But, you know, we never do it ahead of time. It's always after the fact. And then we always do whatever our agenda is. And, of course, our agenda is always God's agenda. No, you don't really know. You don't really know. We all have our opinions. We're all going to have our thoughts. But be, decla- be careful declaring those things. And so, uh, I do believe the Holy Spirit can give insight to relevant people in those situations that may directly involve them. I believe the Holy Spirit will definitely give you insight into your own life. I, I guarantee you will. But He might not give me insight into someone else's life. He probably isn't going to give me insight into other churches if something's going on in another church, whatever. I don't. That's, why, why do I need that? So I can get up and thump my chest, talk about how much better I am than them, because that's probably what I'm going to do. You know, that's pro- that's probably what I would do in that situation. And we got to watch out for people like that, people who capitalize advancing their agenda during a crisis, like a stinking politician. Every time there's a crisis, every time there's a shooting. Every, you know, every time there's a shooting, if we just ban guns, you know, you have one crowd and then you have other crowd. If everybody would just strap up, you know, you know, what we could have stopped it. Right. Everybody just uses it to advance whatever their political agenda is. Every time there's a weather problem, you know, all this snow, you know, it's because of global warming. Uh, you know, if we'd stop using fossil fuels, it'd be spring year round all over the globe. No. No, we just we have weather. You know, tornadoes, storms, earthquakes, they've always been around. So we can find truth though. This is where we can find truth is and get to the bottom of our situation. I'm not talking about I'm not trying to help you do anything to get to the bottom of anyone else's situation today. I'm not trying to give anyone anything to help you identify whether whoever's suffering, whether it's a trial of faith or punishment of sin. I'm trying to help you with yourself today. But I believe you can find the truth when you are truly willing to repent of that sin. It's like, well, do you want to know why you're suffering? Well, the thing is, are you, are you willing to fix anything if God reveals it to you? Oh, I ain't going to change a blessed thing. Well, then you know what? Be prepared to stay in a state of confusion then. But the Bible says in Psalm 139, 23, Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my thoughts. And see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You know, because why did he tell God to do it? You know why? Because if we search our own heart, if we try ourselves, we all have ways to justify everything that we do wrong. I mean, folks, how many people are out there are committing sins and they don't think it's okay what they're doing? Most of them have excuses. Well, I'm doing this because of this. Or even people, too, when they turn to the alcohol and the drugs, they a lot of times do it after a trial. I know it's wrong, but I'm going through this. 
that's not going to help. It's not going to make it better. But they use that situation to justify that. And listen, the last thing I want to do is pick on somebody going through a tragedy. If you go and you suffer some terrible loss today, and then I find out you go, you went, you went and got drunk that night. Listen, I don't, I, I'm not going to hate you for that. But do you understand you didn't make anything better? You didn't help the situation out at all, and you shouldn't have done that. And the truth is, you, you did it because you have that desire to do that, and this situation gave you an excuse. You don't, feel, you don't feel bad sinning against God because look what God did to you. It's like your way of getting them back. That's kind of how we are. That's kind of how we are in our flesh. We got to watch out that. You know, and I'm not hating on you if you've done that before. We all naturally kind of do those things. It's just it's it's our deceitful hearts. We have very deceitful hearts. But if we're willing to get things right, God will show you what's wrong. That is it. I believe the prayer, search me, O God, know my heart. God will answer that prayer if you're actually willing to fix. If you pray, Lord, see if there be any wicked way in me and lead me in the way everlasting. You think God's not going to lead you in the way everlasting? But the thing is, God is not going to pay attention to that prayer if he knows they're not even going to listen to me. I could show them what's wrong, but they're not going to listen. If, but if you want to know, he'll, he'll rock your world. James 4, 7 Submit yourselves, therefore, to God. Resist the devil, and he will flee from you. Draw nigh to God, and he will draw nigh to you. Cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. That's our problem right there. We're double-minded. We want to do right because we have the spiritual man, but we also want to do what our flesh wants to do because we have the carnal man, too. We're double-minded. We've, we've just got to get over our flesh. Be afflicted and mourn and weep, and let your laughter be turned to mourning and your joy into heaviness. Humble yourselves in the sight of the Lord, and He shall lift you up. And let me tell you something. God is, even if you're suffering because of sin, God is always ready to forgive. God is always ready and able to cleanse from any unrighteousness. But we do have to be willing. And we, and we are, and when we are truly ready, God will do His part. God will forgive your sin. God can remove judgment. God can remove punishment. God can cleanse you from any unrighteousness. But again, if you're not even really willing to repent, then, you know, he'll keep bringing the hammer down on you. And, and you'll know it. You'll know it. So, so, I can't stand here and judge every situation. Each situation can only be figured out when a person's heart is right and when they're willing to admit that they're wrong and willing to quit what they're doing. And many times, the punishments that we give our children, they don't seem to work because we can't get them to admit they did anything wrong. And you know what? God can't help us if we won't admit that we've sinned. And if you're suffering because of testing, just rest assured, God will deliver you and you will be happy that you endured it. You'll be glad that you went through it. Don't go beating yourself up in those situations and definitely don't go beating up God. Definitely don't go beating up God. And so, again, God will reveal it to you if your heart's right. I wish I could give you the list of facts to help you know, but I can't find those. It's between, it's between you and God. And, but either way, you're going to suffer. But I want to suffer with rewards. I want a suffering that brings joy. I want a suffering that I can even enjoy. That sounds weird, but it can be done. And it's in the Bible. And, I think we've, and, and, and we've experienced that before. So with that, let's pray. Dear Lord, 
I thank you so much for the truths uh, from these passages that we looked at. And I pray help all of us, Lord, to keep our hearts right with you. Lord, help us not to uh, go into sin trying to avoid some kind of suffering on this earth, but help us to just turn to you in every crisis that we face. And I pray you'll help us to become stronger and uh, experience real joy as a result of it. In your name we pray. Amen.